You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, it's Mike and Mike. Howdy, sir. Howdy. How are you this week, my friend? I am peachy keen. We got a movie review to do this week, and we are going to be talking all about Aaliyah, the battle angel. Should be a lot of fun to check out this steampunk or anime or manga depends on what you want to call it it is an adventure from the very first scene all the way to the end and it's a lot of fun to talk all about a movie and alita is just it's just it's interesting to see you know how it's evolved from when i read it until the anime and now to the movie on the big screen so should be Interesting to see what happens, and we got a great crew to talk all about it. But of course, we want to hear from you at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com, or you can call us at 404 963 All right, we got a lot to talk about this week. We got some guests ready for the geek seat. So let's jump in with rants and raves and see what's on our minds this week. Mikey, what do we got? Well, last week, uh, we talked all about Aerosmith and their album Toys in the Attic, and it got me thinking, especially with um, Toy Fair uh, happening this past week. Uh, I'm just sort of wondering, Mike, I know we all know that you're famous or infamous, I should say, for your obsession with uh, vinyl uh, pop figures from uh, Funko. Um, Now, of course, they released a a bunch of those that are coming out, new ones, um, some of which I think I, like you, are not going to be able to resist. Uh, But I'm also curious as to what other uh, toys that you still have um, going on and and if if, if toys as a general thing still excites you. Overall, not as much as it used to. You know, I used to do, especially when William was growing up, I used to collect, you know, some of the stuff he was getting into because, you know, we both would get like the cars die casts that they used to come out with that looked like matchboxes, but they were the cars from the movies, from the Disney. And we used to both collect that. But you know, as he's gotten older and away from that, so have I. And a lot of times I'll walk by the toy aisle still like at Walmart or Target or if I'm, you know, formerly Toys R Us or Barnes and Noble or something and, you know, see what they have. But, you know, mostly my toys lately, you know, it's either video games or uh, board games or PlayStation stuff. Because, you know, we here at the Faber Cabin in the Woods, uh, do an annual game night, which is coming up. Yes, that is true. I'm so, very excited for that. Exactly. And we get, you know, a bunch of people together and we play games like Cards Against Humanity. This year we're introducing Exploding Kittens and Settlers of Catan and Ticket to Ride and, you know, so, some other games that are, you know, we have classics like Monopoly and Sorry and, you know, some of the other stuff. And then sometimes we even do like card games like, you know, hearts or 
blackjack or you know uno and stuff like that so it's all different stuff going on so we that's what mostly i focus on yeah i used to i mean i don't think i've ever got out of the habit of getting some sort of toys but um well maybe in college uh, but that's just because you know times were tough and i was on my, my i had my mind focused on other things but uh and it's always been comics first for me so uh but um I, I, you know, I, as a kid, of course, I remember getting uh, action figures. I, actually, before that, I got, uh, I, you know, the 12-inch dolls, G.I. Joe, Big Jim, um, the $6 million man. Those figures were, were awesome. Uh, dolls, uh, they <laughs> called them then. Um, but uh, so I still, um, uh, uh, like quite some time ago, uh, I got burned out um, financially and just uh as a i you know kind of an adult uh realizing that i had all this toys from from episode one that were in my garage and i didn't have anything to do with them and i just wasn't really happy with that so um so i kind of stopped collecting then like just going over the moon like i'll get stuff here and there uh i will admit that uh it's been hard to stay away from the pop figures um i've got probably about 20 to 25 of them now wow um, and so, this is coming I, from the man who said he would never own one i never said that yeah never for, did i say that in fact oh, i think i bought one before you did no you were like ah uh-uh, i don't want to get into those don't get me close to those oh wow i might have said that i didn't want to get into them that's for sure yeah i can see that but they've made it they've made it impossible if you're a fan of anything like they're they're gonna have a pop figure for it and um, so, um, you know, so, uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, I, I'm, I get them as presents. So not all the ones I've, I have, I've paid for, but, um, so I, uh, I, 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 so I have those and then every once in a while, like, um, something will hit me, like, I'll just need to have it, you know, like the, um, uh, the, uh, the Admiral Thrawn figure from the black series, uh, Star Wars, uh, those, I just love that character so much. And, they did such a good job recreating him as a figure that um, I, I had to have that one. Um, and, and for the most part, I don't, I don't leave them in the box. I take them out so I can play with them. Um, yeah, the only ones I do keep in the box are the rare ones that I pick up. If I, like I just picked up a glow-in-the-dark Captain Marvel or that they're coming out with. So I'll probably keep that in the box. But like they're coming also out with the Shazam figures. And thank you, Hot Topic, for blowing that one for the surprise Mm. and spoiling it for me. But, you know, it's going to be awesome to see what comes out. And, you know, pop figures, you know, they are an obsession, but not as much as they used to be. You know, it used to be as whatever it was, I would get them coming out and now it's just i'm a a lot more picky on what i'm getting and so it's maybe at the most one a month or unless it's a series of them like the shazam ones i'll probably get all of them because i'm a shazam fan from way back when but you know it just all depends anything related to doctor who i pick up for it but that's a lot yeah, it is. And, you know, I have two different versions of the TARDIS. And, but that also goes back because you were talking about like action figures and stuff. When they came out with the new series, Doctor Who figures, not the little tiny ones, 
I think what are they the six and a half inch ones? Mm. Um, I used to I had every single one of those, and all the different you know sets that came with it, and I collected those religiously. And you know sometimes I would have to order from the UK to get those because they weren't releasing them in the United States. So, you know, I had a case full, you know, like one of those Ikea glass cases full of Doctor Who figures. But, you know, when they came out with the smaller size ones, I think that was during the Matt Smith era, um, I decided to give them up. And then I lost interest in it and I ended up selling all of them. I think it's South Carolina Comic Con two years ago. So, yeah, I think... I think that's the thing. I mean, we find that, uh, you know, as much as, you know, that, that inner geek and that collector mentality uh, of me just is, is, is like, Oh, I, I, like I said before with the fun coast, it's like, Oh, if I got one, I'd have to get them all. So, um, but, um, and that, that still is there, but I, I'm much more, um, uh, I, I, it's a lot less tempting for me. Um, I have, I'm, you know, I have some collections. I can't think of anything. Well, I am, I would say out of anything that I'm collecting uh, would be the pop figures. Uh, that's the only thing that I, I could say that I'm actively collecting right now. I have all but one of the Westworld pops, uh, in, including all the um, variants. So I just need one variant and, uh, and that's it for that. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to the Adams family release of the, of those. Uh, but you know, um, I, I don't think I'm going to get all of them. In fact, uh, the one that really, that of all the releases they showed of the Adams family ones, the ones that attracted me the most is the, the variant black and white, uh, Gomez and Morticia Adams. I think, I think that's the one I'm going to pick up and, uh, and I don't think I need the rest of them. Um, oh, I, I don't do, think I, I say that, but I, I, don't I do. I do want to get uh, Fester, and I also want to get Cousin It. Yeah, they're they're all awesome. Um, and uh, now, does who does where does Thing come with? Who does that come with? Do we know? Uh, I don't. I didn't see Thing in that collection. Hmm, it has to be a Thing. So well, there, to... but there also wasn't a Lurch. So yeah, there might be a second release. They did release some other uh Adams family figures that are coming out uh, based on the new movie um that they're closer to the Adams uh drawings original uh drawings cartoons so um those look tempting, but I think I'm gonna pass on those um because as you said, it's just you get to a point where you just don't have room. I have room like I have a shelf that I can put one or two things on now. And so that's what I kind of do. If I, I don't really have, uh, like even the, 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 the 25 pops that I have, I'm struggling to find spaces to display them. And, and with that, and you know, the fact that I do get tiki mugs, although they made that pretty crazy, um, because now there are tiki mugs, thanks to, um, uh, geeky tiki, they're putting out tiki mugs for everything. <laughs> so um so uh i had to kind of tap out of that i mean i at first i was like oh my god my dream come true they're making star wars tiki cups and uh um but then very quickly within a year or two they 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 just made so many of them i was like i i 
I can't possibly display all these. So uh, let alone afford them. So, and then the Marvel ones and this, that, and the other. So I, I'm really sele- a lot more selective now uh, because just because, you know, uh, price and, and displayability. I mean, I have to, if I, if I going to get something just to put it away that I, so I can't see it, that, that makes no sense in getting that. No, I agree so, completely. Um, and it's, uh, you know, and unfortunately my, my house is not, uh, unlimited in terms of, it's not the TARDIS, so I can't just, uh, uh, put things everywhere. So it's, uh, it's, it's hardly that I did a lot of organization this past weekend of my office and everything. And as I was doing it, I was like, man, I just have so much stuff, uh, you know, so much stuff that I accumulate over, you know, the 50 years I've been on this planet. And, and actually it's been shorter than that. I can remember when I first moved to Orlando from co- in college, after college, I drove to Orlando, everything that I had, I had that fit in my geo tracker. That's all I had with me. Now I couldn't even fit, you know, one tenth of my belongings in a in a geo tracker. I couldn't even fit it in like one truck. I don't think I'd have to. <laughs> I'd need like I'd need a, definitely a, a like a U-Haul. So, so it is kind of crazy how we sort of acquire things, and uh, it's one of those things that I, I you know, I, I'm two minds about it. I would like to. I like collecting. I like these little you know dust collectors, as my mom likes to call them. But I can see how it's kind of nonsense to do that, to get wrapped up in them too, you know? Sure. Most definitely. I don't think pop figures, it's funny because I don't know if I consider them toys. Because if I was a kid and I got a pop figure, I don't know it would be as fun to play with. Uh, To me, pop figures are more like, uh, they're more for adults or, you know, uh, more... uh, uh, yeah, adult like for showing, like for displaying, uh, like what you're passionate about, rather than, yeah, because they, I mean, they have no articulation hardly at all, and they're just, I don't know if they're that fun to play with. I don't know. I don't have kids, so I wouldn't know that. But, um, I mean, I'm sure like a baby would want to put the head in its mouth and all that kind of stuff. But as far as, as far as, <laughs> as far as other kids, I mean, I would find some of the other action figures that are coming out these days much more, much more cool to play with. Well, you heard about um, McFarlane getting the rights to DC action figures. I did hear something about that. Yeah, so that's uh, pretty weird to think about. Mm-hmm. So that would be very interesting to see what happens. I'm just going to have to, uh, you know, just look from the sidelines. I just, I just like to look. Um, I, I admire them. I mean, we have good friends of ours, uh, Dave, you know, uh, at the, in the phantom zone that his, his phantom zone is a treat to go to because it's just a, it's just wall to wall, like shelves of action figures. And they're, it's so cool. I'm so jealous in a lot of ways, but it's so impressive. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that I can go over there and look at them and I don't have to, because those Mezco figures, the ones that are like 80 bucks a pop, those are the best figures I've ever seen in my entire life. But there's no way I could justify having any of those. Well, exactly. But, you know, he budgets it in. And oh, I, sure. Sure. To be able to do that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah you have to. But uh, it, it's crazy. So 
Um, so yeah, you know, Toy Fair, it's, it's, you know, it's here and there. It's one of the things that we, I thought about, you know, early on when we, you know, we're, we're doing the podcast, I thought it was something that maybe we should cover here on Earth Station One. But to be honest with you, I, like I said, I think both of us are at the, at the point where we like toys and we like, uh, admire them, but they're not, yeah, I don't think we'd be able to discuss them with any sort of uh, authority or, you know, in, in, informed opinion. Well, we could do what we've always done, though, my friend. Make things up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, when has that ever stopped us, as we like exactly. to say? Exactly. Good call. So, yeah, it's it's not a bad thing to do. And, you know, that gets into something. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've had some people online questioning things that we're talking about on the podcast and such. And basically, you know, we never claim to be experts at anything on the show. We were knowledgeable, but we're fans just like you guys at home. And neither myself nor Mike claim to be experts at any one thing. That's why we have guests on our show who are maybe somewhat a little bit more knowledgeable than us about certain things. And we, you know, we go to movies as fans. We go to comic cons and such as fans. And, you know, we're just very lucky we have a pulpit to be able to talk about it. Well, and I think, and that's important too, Mike, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, yes, uh, the, um, I know that sometimes we get kind of, uh, and I said, you know, I, I like to do some research. I, believe it or not, I try to do a little bit of research on stuff, but, but I don't get caught up on it because, you know, I don't, I don't, I want us to pretend to be an authority on anything that we're covering um certainly not uh any of the subjects because it's just you know if and i want to make sure that our, our podcast isn't a discussion isn't a based around that like look if anybody wants to know x y and z about you know alita that we're covering a little later in the show or anything that is our main topic they can go to wikipedia they can go to google they can find out you know way more than than we could ever say on this podcast and and i've actually heard podcasts where they read wikipedia entries to people uh to their audience and i'm like i just that's not something i that, that we're about i'm more interested in how people are reacting to things how what people are passionate about what what works for them and what doesn't work for them with whatever we're talking about, what their relationship is. So that's why, well, usually when we have a topic, the first question, the first question that we always ask our guests is, when were you introduced to this? What is your history with this topic? Because that's that's key, you know, and then we talk about and explore that. And, and hopefully we do a good job. I mean, I think uh, we certainly have fun on our end. So hopefully the listeners are going to get something out of it anyway. And I think we're, we're tackling it much like, you know, we've said before uh, this comparison, but it's much like, let's well, much like Dragon Con, which is fan run. And the, a lot of the, the, the panels are fan panels. And that's what I kind of see our show as being a pan, a fan podcast more than uh, an authority podcast. Well, we've been doing it for almost nine years now. And we've never, ever claimed to know everything about such. It's more like you're talking to your friends around a comic shop 
or you're a dragon con or something and you're just sitting around hey did you see that new movie or did you watch the newest episode of arrow or the flash or doctor who or whatever you know it's just friends talking to each other and that's why we love doing this because we've never i don't think we've ever lost that vibe and i don't think we've no. ever come across as anything but yeah and that's that's what excites me i mean like if we talk to, you know, certainly it's cool to talk to people who are really knowledgeable about things. But, you know, like I said, I mean, I want to find out what, you know, where, 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 what people are passionate about. Like when we talked about Aerosmith uh, last week, you know, we didn't just pick the band because they were a Hall of Fame band. We picked the band because Bambi wanted to talk about them because she loves them. Um, you know, and that's what we kind of do with all of our subjects. We don't just pick a topic because it's trendy or it's topical we pick a topic based on the fact that somebody either mike or myself or somebody that we know really wants to talk about this subject and we want to we want to encourage that so either that or we have an interest in it yeah well and that's even the stuff that mike and i don't have personal interests in as long as we have somebody on the show that has an interest in it so we can talk to them about it and what, what, what makes them passionate about that. That's what I think works for us. So, so hopefully, like I said, that comes across and, and certainly if there's any, you know, people out there that are, and and look, if you listen to our show and we do get something wrong or we do, we might, we should have mentioned X, Y, or Z then send us an email, put us on face, put it on Facebook, let us know because we, we definitely want to encourage you to be part of that discussion. This is not just a one-way street where you listen to us and then that's it. That's the, the conversation's over. Now, exactly. We want- and Mike and I get things wrong all the time. So, you know, all the time. All yeah, time. exactly. You know, ask my wife. She doesn't think I know anything. So it's perfect. <laughs> it's true. You don't. Exactly. Oh, sorry, I say that out loud? So is my microphone on? Hello? Is this thing working? <laughs> no, be prepared to be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, seriously though, all joking aside, you know, we love talking to you guys. We really do. And it's fun for us. We wouldn't be doing this for this long. Or, you know, if we didn't enjoy it, we enjoy talking to each other. We enjoy talking to you guys. We love seeing you guys at cons and, you know, or getting emails from you. And that's why we question you know and say things at the beginning of the shows like hey you know drop us a line we'd love hearing from you guys just knowing that you guys are out there but even having trolls and stuff out there saying hey you guys got this wrong you know what you listen to us and that's the best thing in the world so with that being said we definitely want to hear from you guys what kind of toys did you guys collect when you were kids what do you guys feel, you know, are we do, you know, I'm sure hopefully most of you who are listening and if you're listening for the first time, welcome. And if you're old time listeners, great to have you back. Howdy, as Mike likes to say. And, and on one last note about toys, um, it breaks our heart really. And I mean, this, it breaks our heart that we cannot go to Toyland this year because it, it's the same weekend as SC Comic-Con, which we we're committed to, we're, we're participating in. We love that convention. So we like supporting uh, Robert and it's not that we don't want to support the Atlanta folks and, and the people here at Toyland because we, you know, we've talked to them before and we really appreciate everything that the, the relationship that we have with them. So hopefully it just, ha- this, it just so happened that this year 
the dates are the same. But hopefully, I'm hoping that in the future they won't be because it, it re- I really am going to miss not being at Toyland this year because as much as, um, you know, we, we talk about, like, I, I like to look at toys as much as I, I, like, to, I like to talk about toys. So um, uh, I'm going to miss doing that this year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We actually had three cons that same weekend. Because we were yeah, also, it's crazy. That weekend is crazy for cons. Yeah, and the three that we were invited to—that's not all. There's other ones also that weekend. So it was just happened to be, you know, the stars aligned and everything. And you know, we both have a great time at Toylanta, and we hope to go back because they're going to be at a new um, location in next year. So, you know, it will hopefully be able to be at that show. Um, Huntsville, the folks out there at the Huntsville Comic Expo, I hope they invite us back. And of course, you know, our relationship with Robert's great. So hopefully also we'll be able going back to South Carolina Comic Con. So lots of good stuff going on. So with that being said, let's take a quick break. We will be back in a moment and with the Geek Seat. I'm Tony Heath. And we have a sneaking suspicion that you don't actually listen to these promos. So we're not going to make you listen to one. Bye! Brought to you by the Watchathon of Rassilon, a podcast where Joe and Tony watch all of Doctor Who and then talk to you about it. Available on the ESO Network or wherever else you get podcasts from. But honestly, where else would you go? Watcherassalon.com? Oh yeah, that makes sense. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the Geek Seat segment. We have a huge group of folks joining us. Mike, take it away. Yes, we've got with us the the Kamikaze crew of of Havana, Alan, and Carrie. Welcome to the station. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, so um, yeah, so let's talk all about. Uh, well, first, let's talk about uh, Kamikaze and what uh, the origins of this story. Uh, do you want me to take this, guys? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sure. Right, so, uh, Kamikaze is a sci-fi action comic series that we started working on as a comic about four years ago. Before that, it was a concept for an animated series. We're still working on making that happen, and 2019 is going to be an exciting year for that. Uh, we just got back from the uh, Kid Screen Conference, which is an international conference for animation, and uh, had some big things happen there, and we're really looking forward to sharing that later. We can't quite share it yet, uh, but yeah, uh, Kamikaze is a, sci- a cyberpunk-inspired series about what would happen if we gave an anti-gravity pack to a courier who grew up 200 years after the end of the world. Wow. Okay. And, and what, uh, what do each one of you, what's your role? Okay. Uh, um, personally, I am one of the co-creators, and I do a lot of the rough art and uh, the background art. We're a little bit more of a, an animation-inspired pipeline, so the roles that you normally see in, in comics are a little bit different. Uh, Carrie? Yeah. Um, basically, I'm doing um, the ink and paint 
paint, and then I also do all of the writing. Yeah. So you're, you're only our lead writer. I'm I'm only Merely. the lead writer. Um, so I take all. I actually write the comic in screenplay format, and then at some points, and then um, from there translate it into a comic script format, so it's better suited for what we're doing. Um, and then from there, um, I oversee all of the artwork from the thumbs that Alan creates, get notes on the, uh, all of Havana's cleans, and then go back in and do all the ink and paints myself. Um, any tweaks to uh, the, the script after that point, we sort of discuss with, uh, between the three of us. And, um, Alan and Havana are very good at um, helping me just, you know, hone in, you know, polish the last bit before we go, go uh, live on the post. So, yeah. Uh, and this is Havana. I'm the lead character artist. So I take the rough drawings that Alan uh, produces for each and every page. So he does like the layout of the page, the general sketch of the page. And then I go in and clean up the art. And so that's what Carrie means by the cleans. Um, so generally you have in traditional comics, you have penciler, uh, inker, and then colorist and then lettering and all that uh so we're a little different in that we have some little extra steps in the penciling process um again we're all animation geeks and uh we kind of follow that pipeline a little bit more so all the character art you see um the, the cleanup is my work and then i also do the lettering and the graphic design Awesome. And it does have, uh, definitely, it does have that animation, almost anime style to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Carrie and Alan actually went to school for animation. And I'm the uh, black sheep of the group. I, I did not go to art school. I've been drawing since I was three. And I've been a lifelong animation geek. And so it was really cool when I got to meet Carrie and Alan and we hit it off right away because I wasn't used to having other animation fans as friends. Um, I was never surrounded by that. So it was really cool seeing other people who really believe in the medium like I do. And we just wanted to make uh, kind of wanted to make a show that we would want to see on TV. <laughs> So, so what are the what are the origins? Uh, not the origins, but what's would say would you say are the influences that you guys have? Not only for this story, but just in general. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a great question. Um, I think for me, I'm I'm inspired by uh, a lot of sci-fi, obviously. Um, uh, William Gibson, Neil Stevenson. Uh, I read Dune at a fairly early-ish age, and I think that that influenced me a bunch. So, like, big epic sci-fi, I think, was a big part of it for me. I also kind of, uh, there was a, a point when I was growing up, and my, my grandmother asked me what I wanted to become. I said, I want to become a movie maker so I can remake Bambi without the fire scene. And I was, I was pretty young at this now, now, I think I, I, I'd be inclined to make it only the fire scene. Like, like just, like, animals fleeing in terror from an unstoppable force of nature. Yeah, that's that sounds like my kind of story now. <laughs> For kids! Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like Carrie. Speak. What you? <laughs> Carrie, what about you? Um, well, I was kind of a bizarre kid. Um, so one of my favorite books growing up was Watership Down. Um, which 
for any of you who haven't read that book, um, it will change the way you see rabbits forever. Um, <laughs> and it's a lot more uh, dark and gritty than I ever thought it, I, it would be. So I was, um, I was reading that, uh, I think, in late elementary school. And then I was moving on into the Harry Potter, for sure. Um, Harry Potter is a big thing. It's really kind of bizarre because when it comes to Alan and I, Alan's definitely all sci-fi. And when I came into this, I was like, but fantasy. But Disney. But Disney and fantasy. <laughs> um, so I didn't, it actually took me a while to realize I was actually writing a sci-fi series. Um, Much which, same way J.K. Rowling took a while to figure out she was going to do a fantasy. Well, not that she was, she, that's what she was doing. And I kind of, I, on one hand, the first time I heard that, I was like, how stupid do you have to be to not realize you're writing fantasy? And then <laughs> I am not realizing I'm writing sci-fi. So I can't, I guess I'm stupid too. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so all of my um, influences, I mean, I've always loved action movies. So, um, you know, really trashy action movies. <laughs> Uh, so I get a lot of my, my um, influences from old Kung Fu movies and uh, cop action movies. So um, now that I can't think of any. <laughs> Not that it's trashy. Not that it's trashy. Uh, you are very heavily into Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. Hot Fuzz is like my favorite cop movie ever. Um, <laughs> and then Bad Boys, of course, all those kind of things. So um I really, really like that kind of thing. When I was a kid, I loved, uh, I loved, um, not Tim Burton, Christ. Uh, <laughs> you, you had a Tim Burton phase. I did have a Tim Burton phase, but it was, um, it was the guy who did the um, animated series for Batman the Animated, Batman the Animated Series. That was a huge. Bruce Tim? Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim, there we yeah, go. Yeah, BT. Yeah, so Bruce Tim was a huge influence for me, and I loved the way he did a lot of his storytelling because I was I was one of those weird kids, girls that actually knew who the heck you know um, Harley Quinn was and the Joker was, and I understand what Clayface did. Um, so a lot of the guys didn't really know what to do with me, but I found all of the st uh, stories like really compelling, especially the ones that dealt with Doctor Freeze. Gotcha. That's uh so two varied uh two varied but similar. Um and Havana, what about you? What were some of your early influences? You said you were drawing since you were three. What inspired you to do that? Yeah, um, so my parents uh were refugee immigrants from Vietnam. And so when we were growing up, they were like terrified of American culture, <laughs> like getting its claws on me. <laughs> so I lived a very sheltered life as a kid. Um, but of course, what's funny is like I consumed so much American media. Uh, Disney movies were a big influence on me. So it was Don Bluth and all those like, oh my God, I just missed like cartoons from the 90s and the late mm -hmm. 80s so much. But um, like I grew up with that and I remember like some of my earliest memories was actually like pausing the movie when I was four and just trying to recreate the frame that I saw on TV. And so I would draw, I would start drawing. Um, I think I started drawing from even before I was four, uh, according to my parents. And I've just been drawing my entire life. And what's funny is that I thought that that, that was a skill that everyone had. I didn't think anything was extraordinary about that. So when I went to kindergarten and I saw sixth graders, 
for the first time, I thought I was doing something wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started like, I was like, oh my God, am I doing this right? But it doesn't look like what I see on TV. I was very confused. Um, but anyways, kind of like Carrie, uh, which is why we hit it off um, so quickly was, um, I draw a lot of my inspiration from those old animated films uh, and also uh, Bruce Tim. Like, I loved how, like, you know, Western animated shows are so comedy driven. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love, you know, I love The Simpsons and Family Guy and all of that. But there's not really anything that kind of touches on mature themes and, and drama uh, quite like, um, you know, anime does, actually. So when I uh, started watching anime, of course, I got the gateway drug with Sailor Moon and Pokemon and all that. But then and I started um, discovering Ghost in the Shell and, and um, Akira, uh, titles like that. And I really liked the themes that anime was willing to go. And I've always, like for years, I wanted to see a Western animated uh, show like that. I think when we were starting to draw and craft the kamikaze style we were looking at stuff like Korra the um uh the airbender series um we were looking at Atlantis um you know the the Disney movie um back in the early 2000s mm -hmm. uh, we drew a lot of in inspiration from um, like the more I guess like the more grown-up or more adult dramatic series I think we even pull a little bit from Aeon Flux and stuff like that. Yeah, and G.I. Joe, mm -hmm. Renegades, I think it was another one that we Yeah. Yeah, we were one of the really obscure ones. I don't know how many people actually know about that show. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I noticed, so currently um, there's uh, two uh, trade graphic novels collection of the mm -hmm. uh, of the strips now um talk a little bit about the decision and even the challenges of making it a, a weekly webcomic so um, you know that scene <laughs> in indiana jones where indiana had uh gets something and there's like a ball rolling after him <laughs> that is what making a weekly comic is like you're just forever outrunning the ball. and sometimes it hits we, yeah we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because when we first did the uh, web comic, we wanted each frame to look like an animated, like a, like a cell from an animated show. And now, like, everyone loves the art style. It's like, you can't really reel back from um, the art style. Uh, it is a very time-consuming style. Uh, but, I mean, over the years, we've, we've find ways to make it a little more efficient and a little more less time consuming. But yeah, as Carrie said, we're running away from that, you know, giant rock <laughs> coming down the hill. And the reason, the reason why we started doing a web comic was like, like I, we said at the beginning, this started off as a concept for an animated series. We originally had the mm -hmm. idea of we we're going to, you know, develop this, this world out, develop the story out, develop out the characters uh, and, and the art style. And then we'll shop it around to networks and see what we can get uh, picked up. The, the trick is that there's really not a lot of, um, you know, channels and dist distribution, especially not when we were first starting off, that were interested in doing, you know, sci-fi for adults that wasn't like C-Lab 2021 budget. Um, they're, they're, they, they want, you know, there's 
there, there's some weird math which happens in the the, the animation space um, where they haven't quite embraced the model which has worked very well in Japan uh, for selling this kind of stuff. Uh, so we, we didn't have a, a lot of, of early takers for this. We had a lot of great responses that, oh, whoever picks us up and, and actually makes us is going to have a fantastic success. But it can't be us because we're, we're not set up to do that. Um, so we're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, w- rather than just putting this on a shelf and waiting for, for things to get better, let's just go ahead and, A, try to prove out the fact that there is an audience, and B, just not wait around for permission to tell the story. And that's, I think, where the webcomic came in for us because it was a way for us to very cheaply um, start publishing the story without having to worry about getting approval from a, a publisher to, uh, without having to worry about how we were going to print comics and just go ahead and start creating the thing and see where it took us. Um, and I, I think we've done a really good job with that so far. We've learned an awful lot. Neither none of us have ever had, had experience with comics before we started this. I think we've learned a lot along the way. Yeah. We were just dumb animators who thought we could do it without you know, really researching anything. We learned a lot along the way, mostly about how wrong we were. But also, but also <laughs> how, how some of our instincts were correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, they say a, a big part of the creative process is not knowing like what you can't, you're not supposed to do. Right. Yeah. So okay. at least you didn't have that mm-hmm. going for you, right? <laughs> going against you. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, cool. Well, uh, speaking of things going against you, Mike, I think it's ready. Uh, they're ready for the uh, the geek seat now. They, they, my understanding is they, since there's three of them, they believe that they can uh, sort of minimize the damage by uh, all three of them participating <laughs> and sort of, uh, uh, sort of uh, opting out the, some of the questions. So, well, you know, they get all tied up into the chair all together. Oh, of course, that's right. That's, that's a given. So, like of course, the guys are on the old Batman show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna be put on the train tracks at any moment. <laughs> So the, uh, well, <laughs> you wish you would get so lucky that lucky. <laughs> you know we have this giant clam here that just took robin the boy wonder so it's okay. <laughs> so we're ready for you though all right all right i think havana volunteered to do the first couple questions she did all right havana you ready for your first question in the geek seat yep i'm ready all right what was your favorite geek out moment Favorite geek out moment. Um, so the three of us uh, are volunteers at MomoCon. Uh, we actually work in the moderation staff. So we help moderate panels and things with our guests. And uh, I, in 2016, I think, um, I got to meet and interview Cree Summer. And that was oh, like, Really? That's awesome. Yes. Oh, my God. I was, my heart was pounding. <laughs> as the panel came up and um first of all she was a little late to her panel so I was like I was starting to get nervous about oh god what if she doesn't show and oh god what if she does show <laughs> and like when she came I like somehow I was able to keep it together on the outside I asked the questions I did my intro entertained the crowd she was so great like she was talking and she was just so bombastic throughout the entire panel she would just whip out all these voices just so naturally and it was it was really cool 
of course I did my little geek out at the end where I was like, you know, squeeing and I told her like, oh my God, uh, can you do um, Princess Kita's voice and tell everyone that I'm your BFF? <laughs> so I have a video of uh, Princess Kita from Atlantis telling me, telling the whole world that I am her BFF. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that is cool. It All right, let's similar. look. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the other end of that, though. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Um, you know, I when I was thinking about this question, I I know this has it's been a really long time, but I remember walking out of uh, X three, the third X Men movie, <laughs> and I was so pissed. <laughs> Because I had been looking forward to um, to the that movie for so long, uh, I was like, I think like the X Men movies uh, were some of my earliest exposure to like superhero stuff, uh, and I don't, I know it was like a while ago, but um, I remember looking so forward to X Three, and as the movie continued, like I almost walked out and got a refund, but then I I kept saying. And I kept trying to see if maybe it would get better. And I think uh, when my boyfriend and I walked out, we were just ranting at the top of our walk. <laughs> oh, I totally know that one. Mm-hmm. You're not the first yep. person actually to say that on the show. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's a oh, no. Very popular that's opinion. So. What yeah. geeks you out the most? Um, honestly, Disney stuff. <laughs> it's really corny. But I, okay, I have a freaking Buzz Lightyear varsity jacket in my closet right now. <laughs> um, I don't know why that stuff, like um, a lot of like Disney merch like that uh, really gets me excited and almost like too amped up. When I saw the Buzz Lightyear jacket, I was like screaming and I was about to buy it. And I, I had to tell myself, come here calm down you're about to drop 60 bucks on a buzz lightyear jacket are you sure and so i actually made myself wait like six or i think it was more than six months i i promised myself that if i still want the jacket i'll buy it i had to wait at least six months and six months passed and i found in my search history that i've been going back to that product page like a couple times <laughs> throughout the uh, year so I got it but I get like the best compliments whenever I wear that jacket because it throws people off that is awesome that <laughs> is awesome all right it's time for you to do a tag team now you ready to switch all out all right Carrie go yep I'm taking the, the time. okay Carrie <laughs> what turns your geek off gatekeeping uh so one what of about my, my biggest frustrations with a lot of geek culture is actually how so much of it is like I understand the sort of uh I don't want to say elitist but sort of like I was here first mentality and that you know I was I was the geek before all you guys and you kids have it easy it's sort of like the the -hmm. idea of like when I was your age I was running through snow and all that kind of stuff (laughs) it's just really hmm are we soulmates because I have gatekeepers on my list too? Wow, it was on my list too. How about that? I guess for me, it's just like I, if, if in my perspective, 
if somebody's new or wants to learn more about the um, yeah. the subject, like why are you dissing them or to trying to like keep them from enjoying the thing you love too? Like that's just another friend you're about to make. That's a, another mm -hmm. person that you get to geek out all over with your your favorite subject. Mm -hmm. So I find gatekeeping to be probably one of the worst things that geekdom has ever created. <laughs> <laughs> What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Oh, God. Mm. I've been, like, racking my brain on this one. Um, I know who. <laughs> oh? Goliath from Gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to flirt with him. Come on. <laughs> no, I remember you were freaking out of that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's right. When the guy who voiced him came up. Yeah, so yeah, Emma, you're right. Okay, so yeah, Goliath from the, the Gargoyles was a huge, like, that was my first crush ever. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't know, eight. And <laughs> I was like, what, what are these feelings? <laughs> so, yeah, Goliath might be one. Um, thinking of my not childhood self, I'd probably go with, um, I know it might seem lame, but I've always kind of, I've always really loved Hermione, Hermione Granger. So I would really like to just sit down and oh. talk geeky stuff with Hermione Granger. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It. Yeah. That is a great answer. <laughs> that is awesome. What fictional character would you like to beat the least? This one came quick, pretty quickly for me. I don't know if you guys have seen Coraline. Yes. Oh, yeah. I We're actually reviewing it next week. <laughs> I don't ever want to meet the other mother. Oh no! <laughs> Anyone with button eyes, I don't want to. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, she, like, I was an adult when I watched that movie, and I was legitimately freaked out for a couple weeks <laughs> because of that. Um, just the idea of somebody impersonating your mom and like, or your mother, or your any family member that you really enjoy or love being around—that's just the idea of twisting and manipulating you in that way is just. That really got under my skin, so I would never ever want to. <laughs> no, totally understand that. Mm -hmm. All right, your turn's up. Tag team in. All right, I'm in. Here's the baton. Take. <laughs> take it. Take it. <sighs> all right. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, or quote? This is all on you now, Alan. So, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to think of something really deep and meaningful, but I think. Um, Recently, I just got into Critical Role, um, and uh, Carrie and I have been watching that um, as just part of our like our work process. We're like listening, listening to it. it. Uh, we, we've been calling it Bad Decision Theater, um, and uh, <laughs> I think I think the, the phrase "How do you want to do this?" which is the, the trademark phrase that Matt Mercer uses when as the DM when uh, one of the party has killed the last. Um, made the last blow. last of the, the killing blow of, of a battle um that's i think that's my new favorite one right now um it's it's just it's it's a fun prompt um and it always leads to some just really great role play in that show and i think i'm starting to adopt it as <laughs> as we as we move forward on, on difficult jobs of our own and we're trying to like nail the last few, few things in yeah cool that's awesome. What's your ideal geek <laughs> occupation? I think my ideal geek occupation 
are, are, is this allowed to have fictional basis as well? Sure. Okay. I think I'd want to be um, not the chief engineer on on a, uh, a Federation starship, but like the second tier engineer, because the, the, that way you, you you're involved with lots of exciting things. You're pretty much guaranteed not to die because you're not an ensign, um, but you, you still get to participate in you know, be part of a, a brilliant solution, but it's not always on you to figure it out. But you're also the one who has to wear a red shirt. <laughs> uh, depending on the series. I, I, I prefer yellow shirt engineers. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think they spend like 90% of their time in the Jeffrey's tube though. Right. I mean, I, I'm okay with cramped space. <laughs> I can do Jeffrey's tubes. <laughs> All right. That's funny. All right. What geek occupation would you not like to do? All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to twist this around. This one's going to be a real life one. I don't think I would be able to sleep with, with myself or, or go to sleep at night. Rather. Uh, if, I, um, if I, um, if I was doing a uh, big data analysis for like, let's, let's call it um, large defense contractors, like, Collecting like mm. like massive data and collating that to like figure out PR for like a defense contractor. I don't think I could I could really do that. Well, I think that's probably pretty much opposite of where I'd be. Very geeky. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I couldn't see myself doing that. Mm-hmm. Nope. Totally understand that. All right. All three of you. I'm throwing a wrench into this. Okay. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Well, for me, it's fully automated gay space communism. <laughs> oh my god! Wow! <laughs> oh, that's a new one on the show. Wow! <laughs> I had my answer, and then you said it, and now it's just gone. <laughs> now it's gone. <laughs> Damn. I think we got our answer right there. <laughs> Wow. Anna, do you want to give me a moment? Run interference. <laughs> um, I would want to go to Hogwarts as a student, but not during like the years that Harry Potter was going, because that sounds chaotic and I might die. <laughs> you don't want to become That's the next opinion. moaning myrtle. I got it. Yes, <laughs> for me. Mine is kind of pure, maybe. I always really loved The Little Mermaid growing up, and I actually am involved in the mermaiding community myself. Um, So I guess my ultimate geek fantasy would actually be the opposite of what Ariel was and, you know, being a mermaid in in Atlantica. Um, Because to me, that just seems like the coolest thing you could do. hanging out with all sorts of fishies and swimming around and you know, having adventures. It seems really cool in my book, but you know, <laughs> what do I know that Ariel doesn't? <laughs> I love it. That's a good point. I love it. Well, congratulations, <laughs> you three. You've made it through the geek seat. Yay. Yay. Oh my God. We're alive. Yay. <laughs> well, I didn't say we're letting you go or anything. But, oh. Uh, <laughs> Mike Gordon, tell the young people what they've won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $75.22. 
I, yay! You'll have to you'll have to split it three ways. Sorry. Uh, so so twenty five dollars a piece. Okay. Okay. We're done with it. It is it is it is station currency, and it devalues the closer you get to Earth. So. Um, okay, so yeah. it's orbital Bitcoin. Okay, gotcha. Uh, there you go. So, but uh, so glad that you guys could all join us uh, to talk about Kamikaze and to get to know you guys a little bit better. Where can people find you guys online? You can find us at kamikazecomic.com, otherwise kmkz.tv, if you don't feel like typing out that horrifically long uh, URL. Uh, We we are also on Facebook as at Kamikaze Animated, uh, Twitter at Kamikaze Comic, uh, Tumblr, if it's still around. Tumblr's gone. Uh, Don't worry about it. As Kamikaze Animated. (laughs) Uh, and also on Instagram. We are on Instagram as Comic-Con Animated. We're still trying to like figure out how to make this stuff interesting. <laughs> and so, we're also on Mastodon. We are on Mastodon as well. Um, Kamikaze at comicstown.com. Or no, no, comics.town, sorry. Yeah. Um, you can find Alan at that Tupper Kid on Twitter uh, or mastodon.art. Um, and I am Mermaid Shells on Instagram and Twitter. And I am Havana Tweets on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We will have links to all of that in our show notes so people can check you guys out. All right. That is awesome. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. And we are going to be talking all about a brand new movie to review. See you in a sec. Hey everybody, Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and this week it's all about the ladies. If you saw the Grammys last week, it was all about the ladies, and it was fantastic. Some incredible performances, and man, Janelle Monet stepped up again and showed everybody why she is the shirt, as they say on The Good Place. If you didn't catch it, Go to YouTube and look her up. It was phenomenal. Uh, going ahead to this week's news, tickets are currently on sale for the Love Alive Tour. Heart has reunited, and uh, they are going out on the road with special guests Brandy Carlisle, Cheryl Crow, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. And they will also have Ellie King and Lucy Silvis as special guests. And also uh, for Showtime, Around the end of this year, there will be a documentary about the Go-Go's, the first all-female act to write and perform a number one album. And uh, their accolades are, are overdue. Definitely looking to see these ladies on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot. If not the end of this year, uh, definitely in the next two years at the most, I think. I had them predicted on my prediction list for this year's class Took them off at the last moment, which proved to be right, but they are definitely going to be on there. And last week on ESO Podcast, we talked about Aerosmith, and I kind of regretted that the record I didn't talk about was Big Ten Inch, just saying. Um, But there is a book out called Walk This Way, about all about the song Walk This Way and the uh, different impact 
that that song had in the hip-hop and rock communities and what that meant for music uh, going forward. Um, the theme of the book is that th- that song, that version of the song, changed the uh, direction of music uh, ever after. So uh, I will be looking at that book a little bit on the blog and going into more detail about these tours. Uh, I will have that up in the next couple of days at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. And until the next time, we'll be seeing you. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO Network website or go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. Does it bother you? That I'm not completely human? You are the most human person I have ever met. Didn't I tell you to be home before dark? I just lost track of time. Alita, we have to be responsible. You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenage girl. Hey, what's your problem? You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there. And I'm just an insignificant girl. That's what they want you to think. I'm not your daughter. I don't know what I am. I do. You have the most advanced weapon ever. But that's just a shell. It's not bad or good. That part's up to you. I do not stand by in the presence of evil. She's threatening the natural order of things. Tonight is not a game. It is a heart. I need you to destroy a girl called Alita. You made the biggest mistake of your life. And what's that? Underestimating who I am. Welcome back. Now we are here with our main topic, and we are going to be talking all about Alita, Battle Angel. Take it away, Mikey. Absolutely, yes. This is a uh, big movie that, uh, I don't know, if it, man, sometimes it seems like the summer movie season starts earlier and earlier. So here it is, February, and this is, this is a big, big 
blockbuster movie that we get uh, very early on this year. So uh, they're here to talk all Wait, about it. We Mikey, s- Mikey, does that mean Aquaman was a summer movie also? No, that was okay. last summer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was the end of the 2018 summer. So, uh, so this is the beginning of the 2019 summer. Well, technically, here in Atlanta, we never really had winter, so it's <laughs> that's okay. true. That's true. We're all confused here. Give it time; uh, it'll come in March. <laughs> so, uh, as you can tell, Alan and Carrie are still here. They're still strapped to the chair. I don't know how, Mike. How did we get? How did Havana get out? You're the I, one I, who tied the knots, I, dude. <laughs> She's also practices Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She is crafty. All right. So, um, well, very cool. And we've also, of course, got Ashley here. Hello. It feels like it's been a little while since we've had some movies to chat about. Yes, it does. I mean, I think, yeah, this is our first, is this our first movie review of the year? I think think so. So, well, uh, of course, we are glad to have you with us. And uh, yeah, this is just the beginning. There's a lot of movies coming out this year. So it'll be interesting to see how this one holds up. Well, first and foremost, I want to find out about, you know, since this is a uh, known character, a known property, uh, based on a manga series, there's been an anime uh, series as well. Uh, what were all of your experiences? I will start and just say that I I was aware of it being um, both manga and anime, but I've never, I never dipped my toe into those, at least not not this form of it. So... Uh, so I pretty much went in cold. I didn't know uh, much about what the plot was, the characters, anything like that. So I just went in um, based on what I'd seen, you know, in a trailer or two. And uh, and that wasn't really a lot. I don't think, uh, and we can probably talk about this later, but I don't think they did a really good job marketing this movie. Um, so, uh, but uh, we'll start with you, Ashley. Where Where are you on this too? So I came into this movie pretty much cold. The only familiarity I had with it was seeing a trailer before another movie in the theater. So I really had no idea what to expect in terms of characters and plots. So it was really interesting to kind of just come into it and experience it. Um, I do think you have an interesting point about them having trouble marketing it. And I think the box office shows that a little bit so i'm not entirely sure what they could have done better but it's obviously one it looks like they spent a lot of money on it so it is interesting to see it not quite finding traction at the box office we'll we'll see if there's any word of mouth but we'll be curious to see how this one ends up yeah unfortunately uh alex uh is not here with us who usually handles our our box office results but yes it has was i think it was the number one movie but it wasn't uh that like it was i think 43 million in the united states and canada um almost uh up to a hundred million in other countries so uh total so um so yeah it's but it it needs a quite a bit more in order to uh break even from what i understand so um but uh so that's you know but we're here to talk about our our thoughts about the movie itself um so carrie what about you where what what's your history with alita um so you have to go back about 15 years um, cool. I was in high school with one of my best friends, uh, Laura, and my exposure to Battle Angel was actually, we just called it Battle Angel all the time, was um, uh, her because she was really, really into it. Um, she got into anime a lot earlier than I did and then sort of dragged me into it. Um, and at the time, I I didn't quite understand what I was watching, um, not because I wasn't interested. It was just 
half the time Laura was, you know, we were, you know, doing each other's hair or, you know, hanging out or talking about things in the middle of the movie. And so I'd like get pieces of it. And then, you know, you're doing what teenagers do. <laughs> it's just, uh, I only got bits and pieces of it. Um, but what I remember of it is, is very different um, from what I saw. So, um, yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so you haven't revisited it in all that time. I haven't revisited it mostly okay. because I just, I haven't had the chance. That's okay. That's cool. That's cool. Alan, what about you? I, I think I was vaguely aware that the manga existed. Uh, and I remember looking at the artwork for it and, and really appreciating it. Um, but never, never digging into the story. I don't, I don't think I just I ever got around to actually picking up any of the manga and reading it. Um, so I, I went into it, you know, aware vaguely of its history. Um, and of course, cognizant of the fact that, you know, this is just the, the latest in a long line of attempts to import manga and anime to a Western live action format. Um, and maybe being very cautious about it because of that, considering the results that have happened in the past. Yeah. It seems like it wasn't that long ago that uh, we were reviewing the uh, Hollywood adaptation of ghost in the shell, which. Uh, right. Right. Was, and as, uh, as, a, as a fan of uh, a standalone complex, um, <clears throat> that that was uncomfortable watching that production fold out. And I, I just decided to skip that one based off of, uh, off of early reviews and just what I saw of what they were doing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a bad move. Uh, so, uh, Mike, what about you? Well, I had, I think with Ashley, I had seen the preview probably back when Star Wars came out back in 2017 was when I first saw the preview and I was very curious about it. And so I had done some research online and found out that there were like nine volumes of this book out there. And so I went to the local Barnes and Noble and picked up the first three and started reading. I loved what I found. And so I got really excited when I found that they finally came out with a release date with this and we got, you know, a lot of, you know, hype starting to build towards it. And they started showing commercials and starting to show it on posters. And it was just, it was awesome that they, you know, started doing it. And it got the February, you know, release date, which is kind of like, uh, the movie studio doesn't really care. But, you know, we'll get, we'll give it a try. And basically went to the theater and was blown away. Okay. So, um, yeah, I want to get into all of that, but, um, also, so I guess we'll start with you and, and Carrie, you can speak a little bit of this as well. What, uh, did it sort of meet your expectations and match what you guys had known previously to, uh, that was like either the series or the books? Um, I guess um, for I'll go first. Um, I guess for me, what I remembered, um, a lot of the parts that stuck with me uh, stayed there. Like they stayed consistent. Um, 
a lot of the parts like i guess okay here's the question are we doing spoilers yeah oh yeah we we announced that at the beginning of the show before you guys okay good 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 okay so like there's the point where this um uh oh god the guy with the the arm like finger things that shoot out from his hand uh actually rips apart a dog like I remember that very vividly, and I remember telling Alan, "I'm not sure if this is what happened in this movie because I know we watched a lot of anime, but I swear to God, if the dog shows up, I'm gonna like be really upset." <laughs> and wow. there was the dog. So, so in the first the five minutes, you're like, "Ah, oh, crap." <laughs> Basically, I thought in the first I was like, it's, it's, "Don't get attached. Just don't get attached." Every every time the dog showed up prior to that scene, she was she was already preemptively whimpering. I was like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> Uh, the only reason that it, this is like really hard for me is we recently lost our dog, so it was just like kind of hard uh, watching that. But um, so there was that, and then um, like there's uh, there's the part where um, Hugo goes to like um, at the end where he falls from the, the ropes. Uh, there are the tubes going up to the city, and it's sort of like that was that was taken on the shot for shot for shot from what I saw on the anime and what I remember. Um, but there's a lot of it that just felt so much extra to it. Like I remember in the anime, they paced out the action really, really well. And it like, it, it left an impact on you. It did what it was supposed to do, but it didn't continue to go. And every single time an action scene happened in this film, I was sitting there going, wow, this is really good. I think this will stop now. And, you know, this will be a great moment to just like get that idea across and then let it go. And um, it was sort of like watching the Lord of the Rings third movie in an action scene. Like there's points where you just thought it would stop and it just kept going. And to me, that that's just a, a sort of indicative of like, wow, look at what we can do in 3D. And it was frustrating for me did you did you did you guys see it in 3d no no we we, we didn't we saw it just just normal projection um but it, it in some ways that almost calls out shots which were done for like the 3d wow factor mm-hmm. um a little bit more um or at least maybe it's it's just that I, i've gotten jaded about it well with the thing is that as training animators one of the things that was really coming you know into its own with when we were graduating from college was the idea of um the of the 3d uh film experience and oh, the, the, the resurgence of it yeah the resurgence of it and just how how you know ev- they had to create excuses for it to be in 3d which was basically you know wow factor shots like i remember just rolling my eyes down the street. I think it was an a, a Monsters versus Aliens DreamWorks movie where the guy was like bouncing a ball on a paddle and the ball came up and through the screen. And I was just like, this is unnecessary and has nothing to do with the story. This doesn't help at all. Um, so at that point, it's not a issue of, um, you know, it's not using the medium to tell a good story. It's just using the medium as a... Um, as a spectacle, which kind of makes it feel empty. Well, there were a couple scenes though in this where you could tell it was made for 3D, but it moved very smoothly. Mm-hmm. Also, at the same time, Mike, it wasn't it wasn't as deliberate. Mm-hmm. Yes. So did you see it in 3D, Mike. No, I tried not to go to 3D movies. It hurts my head. Gotcha. 
Yeah, it also sucks if you have glasses. So if you exactly. have glasses going in 3D movies, <laughs> it's just really frustrating. Yeah, it's, not, it's not fun trying to put your glasses over the 3D glasses or whatever. Yeah, and they always fall off. <laughs> I, I, I dealt with it. <laughs> I, I've never had that problem, but that's, I, you know. Uh, Ashley, did you see it in 3D? I did not. For all those reasons that you guys mentioned, I have glasses. It makes my eyes feel weird. So <laughs> I usually give it a pass unless it is the option to see it in. Gotcha. I did see it in 3D. And I, cause I, I, I figured it, this was since, you know, obviously a Cameron production and he's big on 3D and, you know, Robert Rodriguez is going to make it visually interesting. So I, I thought that, uh, I thought it was probably, better to do do it that way but seeing it non-3d would be interesting as well as make sure that it holds up like you guys said that there's nothing that's too gratuitous and and to your point carrie i think that like one of the characters i think his name is is it gruishka is that right am i pronouncing yeah, right? yeah, yeah okay so he's the one with the you know the things that fly out so obviously mm-hmm. it's a good character and story reason to have something fly at you all the time mm-hmm. um so and they use that a lot um there wasn't any time where i felt like things were like really just you know poking me in the eye but mm-hmm. um and and I, if anything after a while it just sort of seemed like um i didn't really notice that it was in 3d it just seemed like i was it was just um, there was just depth to it, which I, I thought was nice. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of the scenes, and then of course, uh, like uh, there were two scenes in, in particular where it got to me. Uh, the one where Hugo takes um, Alita to the roof, and mm-hmm. I was I'm I have acrophobia, and it kicked in big time uh, okay. during yeah. that sequence. And then also at the end when they were climbing up the tube, um, that that was like yep they're a hot pie i could tell and i'm feeling it so, <laughs> so uh i don't know i think that there's a i want to say that there's like an imax version of this as well so which doesn't surprise me but um so anyway um so yeah okay cool um i i have like even though i'm not familiar and i guess i should have mentioned this in the beginning um even though i'm not familiar with the character in the story itself i'm a huge cyberpunk fan Mm-hmm. And I've been so frustrated because they haven't done no film in my mind has done a great job of bringing what I love about cyberpunk to the big screen. Uh, we get like little hits and mostly misses. Um, and then you have to go, well, the matrix is kind of cyberpunk or Blade Runner is kind of something, but we don't get really something that's like pure cyberpunk which mm-hmm. I have to say that as far as cyberpunk goes, this might be, um, in my mind, our best representation of a film that's out right. there. Um, I think I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Which I, I don't mind. I think um, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, thought, I thought it moved, yeah, like Robert Rodriguez does, barely gives you a chance to catch your breath. So um, I don't know, is it over? It must be, over, is it over two hours? Uh, just over two hours. Yeah, just over two hours. I mean, it, it flies by. It kind of feels like a, um, you know, it kind of feels like a, a ride, like a literally, like you know, like you're just getting on a Disney ride or something, and uh, and then you get off two hours later. Um, but I I appreciate it. I liked, uh, even though it's a CG fest, I I mean that in a great way because I think there's a lot of times where it works really well, and I just completely forget. 
And I like the fact that it's able to do things like the main character. Um, she is she's completely CG. Do we know how she, they're doing this? If I remember right, they're using um, motion capture and then pulling together, like using the body and she's acting in many of the cases, but um, what they're doing is motion capture to get the face. Gotcha. So what, so would those like be roses, like real eyes, and they just kind of enlarge them? I think, but mm. don't quote me on uh, that, um, because I've been seeing articles talking about, you know, Rose being in, you know, doing mocap for it. Um, but even if they're using mocap, the one thing I really appreciate about, well, they were using mocap, but um, the one thing I really appreciate about uh, that, sometimes you look at um, films that use mocap and you're looking at them and they just feel stiff and kind of lifeless. Yes. Um, one of the best uh, ones I can suggest is a Jim Carrey's Christmas Carol. Mm. Um, so there's oh. moments in there. Yeah. <laughs> it almost looks like a, a like a a mannequin's being thrown around right <laughs> uh, yeah. like like yeah like that one and then the the there that version of Beowulf that came out or yeah. pol- or the There's, polar express yeah polar polar express. Express. Oh, man we've come a long way since the, the zombie express <laughs> zombie. Or, or if you guys want to go back even further we could go back to final fantasy and spirit within or <laughs> yeah yeah so oh but I so think I, they did a fantastic job of mixing the CG with the live action. It and the worked, way that worked. they probably ended up doing that was they sweetened it by having animators, you know, take the mocap and just push it a little bit further. Yeah. I agree very much that the animation that was used in this um, was very smooth and very well produced. Um, I will say that in my opinion, out of all the anime adaptations I've seen that you know the the Western audience or the Western Hollywood has done, um, this is by far probably the best one, in my opinion. But uh, you know, I don't know in comparison to Ghost in the Shell or, God forbid, that awful Dragon Ball Z thing. Um, <laughs> like, like I feel like this is the one that actually tried to stay, you know, true to the idea of what an anime is. And also to the spirit of, of what the original was trying to get across, because I feel like a lot of, of um, let, let's call them genre imports here. Um, they, they they take sort of like the surface level dressing of like the aesthetics, and um, but they they don't really dig into the core of why why the core story had a specific feel. And it, it j- just again with someone with very little. Um, uh, depth of, of the original source material. This felt far closer to what I, I have gotten the impression the original source material was on this. Ashley, what did what did you think overall? I enjoyed it. I actually I wasn't sure what I would think of it, but um, I walked out of the theater thinking, you know what? I I did enjoy that movie. There were a few you know, criticisms I'd have here and there, which I'm sure we'll kind of dive into more later. But I think um, my favorite thing was just the world building. Sometimes you see these Mm -hmm. movies and there's a cool location. You think, wow, I'm excited, but they never fully take advantage of that. But I thought they did a good job really kind of digging into the city and showing us what life is like there. I loved seeing all the like cyborgs and humans walking around together. And of course, just the variety of cyborgs, you know, some people just have a robot arm. Some are, you know, look like mostly robots, 
and um, just the whole aesthetic, the look of the place that it has a little bit of grunginess to it. It looks lived in. So I just, that was my favorite part actually was just getting to know that world. And um, I walked away definitely wanting to see more stories set in this world based on the box office. I don't know if we will get to or not, but I thought they did a good job setting it up and making it feel like a lived in place. And um, even though there was a lot of CGI in the movie, I appreciated that um, they let some of the acting come through. Like I could tell, even though some of these characters are mostly CGI, I could tell the performer was kind of adding their own flavor to it and that it was coming through. So I thought they did a good job of not letting the CGI necessarily overwhelm the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you've got, and that's a smart move too, when you've got people like Christoph Waltz and uh, I'm hoping I'm not going to butcher his name. Is it Mahalashala? Is that right? Is that right? Ali? That's Vector? Close. Very close. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you also uh, have Jennifer Connelly also. Jennifer Connelly, who I haven't seen in a while. So I was like, wow, she still is great. Um, and uh, Jackie Earl Haley even you know these are these are solid people who you can you can tell they're going to give a great performance even under all of that whether it's prosthetics or cg whatever they're they're, they're going to give the animators something to work with so that they can just enhance that i think um and particularly i think and i want to hear your thoughts about other characters but um for me one of the like standout characters was uh zapan um like that the look of the bounty hunter, um, the cy- like he was almost all cyborg, but the design and the intricacies of his, uh, of he wasn't just a like a, he wasn't just like a RoboCop. I mean, he just had this like really cool look um, that I was like, I'm trying to stay away from buying action figures, but if I see a really cool version of him, I might be tempted to to put that on my wall. Yeah, yeah, that that was definitely. Please, please buy the twelve uh, twelve inch figurine of this. I, I will say design. with his, with his design, this is the guy that that was just mostly that got his face cut off, right? Yeah, the sword. Yeah, 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 the yeah. sword. Okay, just making sure. Yep. So the one thing I found really interesting about his design was that when you looked at his back, it was it was the Mesoamerican sundial. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what the hell is that doing there? <laughs> On one hand, I was sort of like, this is intriguing, but I want to know more about this. Like, why is that there? And then you never learn anything else about it. Right. Um, and, but it looked cool. It looked really cool. To, to, uh, to Ashley's note about the world building, I, I think little little bits of flair like that, where, where there's an extra detail or two, um, which you see which get visual recognition but perhaps never actually get dug into those that actually really helps with really solidifying the feel of a lived-in world it's like okay not only are there things which have been explored and explained but there is more detail here more stories here that you'll never learn but the 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 fact that they are there that the hints are there create the the openings for more story Mm -hmm. that again, will never be told, but help really flesh the world out as, as a lived place. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like there are layers there. And I also appreciated that people are always talking about, oh, Hollywood's not doing anything original. And even though this is based on some previous materials, what I liked about this movie is like, I feel like I'm seeing a world that I haven't necessarily seen on screen before. This is something new and different. And I really appreciated that. 
Definitely. Yeah. Good call there. No, um, it took you right into the world and the details on everything, even, you know, Hugo's bike and, you know, the playing of the, you know, the sports and you getting into, you know, how people were bartering and how people, you know, this, how vast the cities were underneath. And it's just interesting because, you know, the history with it, even because they said the war were what, 300 years before this. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. you know, they haven't evolved past this because think about where we are now and what was 300 years previous before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit interesting. Um, uh, the, the project that Carrie and I are working on Kamikaze, there, there are, are parallels which were completely unintentional. Um, our, our story takes place several hundred years after basically a cataclysmic event. And like it, there's, there's lost tech. There's, you know, a, you know, an inner, an inner sanctum city and, a, and an outer city cobbled together out of, of scraps. So I, I think that this was really an interesting journey into someone else's visualization of something relatively similar um, because it, it gave you the ability to say, all right, so how, how did someone else solve problems like this? Um, it was really fascinating. I want to talk about uh, the characters uh, a little bit and who, who stood out for you as far as characters. I've already mentioned Zapan, but um, Ashley, was there any characters in particular that stood out for you? I actually really like Christoph Waltz's character, Dr. Is it Ido or Ido? I'm always terrible with pronunciations. Ido. Ido. <laughs> yeah. I really liked him. I thought his work was interesting, how um, he just really wants to help people and kind of at cost to himself you know he goes out and takes on the risk of kind of being a vigilante and fighting crime so he can get paid so then he can turn around and provide care to cyborgs and repair parts for people without having to charge them so um, I really liked that I thought it was interesting his relationship um, with Alita I kind of liked their um, father-daughter dynamic and then how he wanted to protect her but then realized maybe it wasn't best to keep her past from her in the long run so i just really enjoyed that dynamic in their story together i i agree Mm -hmm. exactly i think that was the strongest characters in the movie truthfully Mm -hmm. I, i thought the two of them the dynamic between them literally from the very first scene when she comes downstairs and you know, good morning, sleepyhead. And then you know, right from there, the the between the two of them, the dynamic was awesome. What did we think of the love story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, um, there was another reviewer who, um, who I actually read the review go, going in, so I kind of spoiled myself slightly. But one of their their critiques was that that felt almost the, the most shoehorned in and the most forced. And I, I was watching it and perhaps paying a little bit more attention to it that, since it was called out. And I, I felt like I, I kind of agreed. There was, it, it did kind of feel perfunctory in some cases where um, maybe I, either a, a different way of telling it, or maybe, maybe replacing it with something else would have been stronger. Um, but again, I, I completely understand that this was trying to be as faithful as possible to the core property. Mm. 
I feel like with um with the, the romance angle that they tried to put in here, um, to me it kind of suffers from the fact that like it's there, but you're not really sure why it's there. Like you understand there's some sort of attraction and chemistry, but you don't know why. And I think that's the, the why of it is kind of one of the reasons why it feels so um, forced because you don't, you see sort of like the chemistry there, but there's no, like, they're not talking about it really. They're not, um, they're not even really showing why they enjoy each other. It's just, they do because that's what we want you to know. And that's it. Um, so I found that to be a little bit uh, frustrating because there were there were moments in it where I was like, okay, this is like they have something there. Um, like when she takes out her heart and offers it to him, like I thought, okay, that's a that's a very literal on the nose way to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh, you didn't have to do it quite that literally. But um, yeah, she was literally it, having her heart on her sleeve. It was yeah, awesome. It was pretty awesome. But at the same time, it was sort of like okay. I get what they were going for, but it was so on the nose. And like, I don't know why Alita likes him. I, I like, I don't understand the attraction. I don't understand the attraction for him. Why does Hugo like Alita? And what, why is that a thing? Because they never explore it. It's just a thing. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought that it was, you know, kind of like teenage love where, you know, before you get to know the world, you're just see your own small little, you know, that's, you know, who you just sort of fall for at the time. Um, so I kind of felt like they captured that element of it, mm-hmm. but I do agree that, that it wasn't developed enough that, because at that point when she, when that, that scene where she takes the heart out, I was kind of like, it almost undermined her a little bit. Like I was like, yeah why is she so like really over like over the moon infatuated with her is that it's only because later she's going to be betrayed by it like yeah that's exactly. that that's what i felt like they were doing um too much um so it was it was really a little bit too heavy-handed there mm-hmm. um, oh you knew what was going to happen anyway when yeah you know he was like oh i've got to go when they were at the sport event and it was just like oh yeah he's gonna go do something really stupid and he's gonna turn out i didn't think he would die though i didn't think like i I, at that point i i wasn't you know i mean he died twice which you know the first time i was like oh that's pretty brutal and then um (laughs) the way he saved is really brutal too um and then, you know, I'm like, okay, well, they gave him a suit and everything, so this is how it's going to be. And then he dies again. And I was like, whoa, like, Cameron's really doubling down on the Titanic ending here. Um, right. I, I, I thought, <laughs> which is unique, which is interesting, because that that actually does happen in the anime. So maybe, yeah. that, maybe that tells us more about Cameron. <laughs> well, no, and I also think, I think it's nice, though, because I'm like, okay, well, at least we don't have to worry about this in the, like, the following. Like, because it obviously open leaves the door open for uh, a future. Um, you know, Nova's still out there, so obviously there there should be you know a conclusion. In fact, one of the criticisms that I saw about this, and I haven't read a lot uh, of reviews on this, but a friend of mine said that uh, he liked the movie, but he was really disappointed because it just seemed like it was a setup for the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I I don't I wouldn't go that far. I think it's a very good origin story. 
Um, and and now that the origin's out of the way, I'm looking forward to seeing another one as well. But um, so I'm glad that you know Hugo, you know, is is not going to be around for that. Um, I was not sad when I saw him fall away into the clouds. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I I felt for the guy. I'm like, man, that's gonna suck. But um, uh, he, was, <laughs> you know, he was dead already, though. You know, <laughs> it's true. But, but I, I agree. But to a certain extent, it's like finally the dead weights. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn. laughs> um, sorry. I'm curious, you know, obviously a good hero needs a good villain. Did you like the bad guys in this, or um, was that lacking as well, uh, Ashley? Um, I, I thought all the cyborg assassins were really interesting. Um, I'm terrible with names and can't remember all of them, but I thought those were super interesting characters, just their looks, their personalities and, you know, how and why they approach their jobs. I thought they were great. Um, some of the human characters I thought weren't as interesting. I thought Vector was kind of an interesting character, but they could have done a lot more with her and the, with him and the same with Jennifer Connelly's character. So I thought the cyborgs were a little bit stronger than the humans in terms of the villains. Um, I just had wanted a little bit more from them. Um, I'm curious to see if what others thought. I love okay. that scene in the bounty hunter bar. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, that, was, that was awesome. That was great. That was awesome. Yes. I think and, that was, possibly the strongest part of the film for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think for me, Nova um, felt often like just sort of a plot ghost. Like he, he would show up whenever the plot needed to kind of get you know, kicked back in, 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 in did gear. You, did you guys um, like who they got to play Nova? <laughs> I mean, how often did you really get to see him on screen? Though? You actually like, got to finally like, see him. You got to see him though seen- at the very end. I mean, you see him, but it's just like him taking off his glasses very, you know, melodramatically. And it's like, I can't tell anything about your accent. Yeah, you know but- what? Before he took off his glasses, I swore I thought it was James Cameron. I'm like, that son of a gun. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> the movie. I, but I, 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 I am the true villain here. <laughs> but I like how they got Edward Norton to do. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Was yeah, awesome. I, I, yeah. I mean, I will say that did surprise me. I was like, wait, that's the guy from Fight Club. What's he doing there? And it was. It, it actually kind of took me out of the movie for like half a second. But I didn't um, recognize him until he took off the glasses, and I recognized exactly. the eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So much of his face is defined by the, by those, those like really piercing eyes, um, which is which is just a fascinating study and, and just, you know, fa- facial, facial recognition anyways. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like, um, like the cyborgs were, were quite strong. The uh, vector and uh, I forget her name. Um, they felt quite static in many cases. And I really do wish that there had been more, more screen time invested towards fleshing them out as, as dynamic um, characters with a little bit more dynamic motivation mm-hmm. um, because it kind of felt like in, in many cases they were just kind of lurking around um, and, and until there was, there was something nefarious that was needed to move the plot forward. Um, and, and maybe that was just my, my impression. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially yeah, I think, uh, when you have performers of that, that caliber like you want to give them more to work with 
Right. I I was just about to say, uh, and, and totally agree with that because I think they raised the level of of depth to them. Like I don't think the right the written page, like for Vector, is really that interesting. If you were to read the script, <laughs> you'd be like, "Ooh, that's kind of." But Ali like takes it and makes it interesting right. just by his presence. Right. Um, so I, I I think, and the same thing is the same thing with Conley. I don't think she's like given a lot, but. You know, I'd forgotten, like I said, I hadn't seen her in a while, so I'd forgotten what she's capable of. And I was like, wow, this is like, how come she isn't doing more? Like, she's really good in this. And uh, because she's got, you know, got to go back and forth, you know, between, you know, heel and face, heel and face, heel and face throughout this whole thing. And I'm kind of like, and she does it really well and consistently. So you don't, you don't go, oh, well, that just seems kind of, you know, like written that way. But she really sells it. And then, to find out her fate, ooh, that's just that's awful too. Harsh. Like, yeah, I mean, the fact that that's how everybody is getting up there, and so yeah, yeah I'm kind of like, okay, so you know, that's going to be interesting. So that's another thing that you know I want to see a follow up for because I want to see what, um, you know, is, is it Salem? Is that right? Sure. The, the... <laughs> Let's go. <with> it. <laughs> You could go with that one, Mikey. It's good. Like, like, uh, like, the, you know, what, what that world is like, what that part, you know, I mean, cause we know, even though that they're sending body parts up there, um, that there are, there are people up there. I mean, that's where Ido comes from. He says he was born there. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, he has no interest in going back, but, um, uh, to see what that, part of the there this universe looks like um would be really interesting so yeah i'm i'm definitely on board for for a follow um so uh real quick uh, is there anything else about this movie that we haven't mentioned that you want to that either stood out for you or didn't work for you ashley i I like the 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 big honking round like almost like cement mixer tires on everything oh right yes yeah i like that just, just as an aesthetic note. Such a fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's the details. Yeah, um, the big entire uh, details. You were going to say, Ashley. Ashley, you mentioned that you might have had some criticism, or you had some criticism about it too. Did we? Did we hit those? Yeah, I think we kind of talked about him. Um, just wish there had been a little bit more from the dialogue to kind of tease out some of the characters a little more, go a little bit in depth. But um, like I said, we already kind of covered that, and. Um, Still enjoyed the film. Um, I think we've covered most of my favorite parts. Again, just really loved seeing the cyborg world. Um, I don't know how extensive the manga was, but I would be interested in even seeing other character stories told within this setting. Um, I'm really super curious about the floating city. Like, I really want to know what it's like up there. And I want to know more about, like, what caused all the conflict, like why all the other floating cities fell from the sky, you know, what was going on with that. So I kind of want to know what happened even before this movie. So they thought they did a good job of telling us just enough that we needed to be able to experience this movie by it, but also making us curious for other things that they could explore later. It was interesting because you had the two worlds there and it kind of reminded me of the movie Elysium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A few years yeah. back. And, you know, how you had the upper crust and the high society perfect world up in Elysium. And then the rest of society was still left on Earth below. And that's what I got the feeling from in this. And it looked like everything outside the city was all farmland and everything being, you know, you know, 
cropped and you know plowed through and everything all the water and all the all the food was going up through the tubes to this to the main city and the people down below just got the scraps Mm -hmm. that's kind of also like a cyberpunk version of the hunger games yeah 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 so Um, somebody argued to me that that the hunger games is like lightly cyberpunk that that's that's i'm not really sure what i mean i I, I I need to hear a much more (laughs) that's how that's how desperate we cyberpunk fans are to find things Oh yeah, but that's a little bit there, isn't it? It's just (laughs) there's a floating hologram. It's cyberpunk. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a prosthetic limb. It's cyberpunk. (laughs) A lot of people are also comparing this to Blade Runner in some ways too. Hmm. The same kind of world. I I wouldn't go that far, but. But Blade Runner has been mentioned as quote-unquote cyberpunk as well. And you know how much I love Blade Runner. It's one of my top five movies, but I I wouldn't call it cyberpunk. I mean, obviously it's got some elements, but it's not cyberpunk. Not like this is. So, um, uh, But I am curious uh, now. Um, so I don't know if you can answer this, Carrie, and, and Mike also, um, but do we know roughly like how much of the story has been told in this movie or how much there is left to tell based on the series and series of books, the anime series? Um, like, are we just at the beginning or was this like, did this take a long time to, to come out? Like, like, was it multiple, you know, seasons to, to, to get to this point where we are in the, at the end of the movie? To be quite honest, from what I remember, and again, this was a very long time ago, so don't quote me on all of this. Um, You're on a podcast too late. Anyway, so I guess what I keep thinking about while, while I was watching that movie is that I remember Hugo uh, basically falling, and that was the end of the, the mood, like the series. It was sort of like Yugo fell and then Alita um came back down and they managed to get like um oh crap what's her the lady's name Jennifer is it Jennifer Colling okay so Jennifer Colling's character and like a part of Yugo and they like tie it tie their body parts to a balloon and send it up and like that's the end yeah, and it, it, it's like really dark. Yeah, that would um, that would be going over really good with the kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. so so great. Yeah, somebody brought a, an infant, like a, a two year old or something like that, to our show. Just what the hell? Um, but yeah, so it was um, it was something that like I'm not re- like as somebody who remembers at least how it ended. I'm kind of sitting here going, "Where are you going to go next? You covered everything." Like, if you want to bring down the city or take on Nova, okay. But you are working with new, completely new cloth here. Yeah, you are. And it's sort of like, at this point, you're making it up as you go along. And not only that, but I feel like the way they decided to end it actually made the the structure of the film kind of a mess. Um, So it didn't really, like, there's points where I felt like, you know, it, it, it felt like I was watching a really extended first act and second act. And then they said, psych, we're going to have the third act as its whole movie. And that's not really a movie, but I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Mike, do you, since reading the books, are you, is it, does it take a while in the books to get to this point or? Um, Where I read in the books isn't the whole movie. Mm-hmm. So there, it goes further. I've only read the first three. There's nine of them, dude. Yeah, sure. No, I just didn't know, like, if this is the first book or this is. No, you know, this is more than the first book. Gotcha. Like, way more. Okay. I would imagine that the books go in more depth as to her path to get to. Oh yeah, of course. And, you know, Uh, I would be curious to read those that you recommend them. Oh, highly. But, you know, I just looked on Amazon to see how much the whole series is. They want a hundred, they want 107 for the whole. Of course. Of course. So. 3000 anime bucks. So, well, very cool. Well, um, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, any, if so, if you have any final thoughts or what's your grade out of, uh, we'll do it five stars. Um, um, Ashley, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with a uh, three and a half. Um, like I said before, I wasn't sure what to expect from this movie, but ended up really enjoying it. Um, I liked getting to know the characters and seeing the world and it definitely wanted me to see more of this world. So I guess I would say it accomplished its job. Awesome. Awesome. Carrie, what about you? Um, I was actually going to say the same that Ashley was. Um, I feel like, they did a really good job at, at, a, at making an adaptation of an anime. Um, it's really, to me, the best adaptation of an anime I've seen uh, created by Western filmmakers. And um, it feels some, like, of what I remember, it feels very true to the source material. But it also, it isn't, right, like, it isn't trying to completely Americanize it. It's letting it be what it's supposed to be, which I appreciate. And um, I thought that the uh, Alita's actress, Rose, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, I thought she actually did a really good job. Like, uh, I could could feel, like, all the audience around me really feeling for her. And, uh, you know, when she was sad, other people were sad. We we just didn't understand why she liked this punk on a bike. (laughs) Right, right. No, you're right. Good call, because we didn't mention her enough, I don't think. But, like... I don't, and it's hard to tell exactly how much of it is her and how much of it is animated in her face. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you have to, you know, have to give credit where, as far as we know, uh, but especially in the beginning of the movie where she's just quote unquote discovering things for the first time, mm-hmm. I thought she sold all of that really well. Yeah, she really did. Because that's not always easy to do. Um, I'm actually really curious, you guys. Um, was there points in the movie where the audience were laughing? I just, to be honest with you, there wasn't much of us in the theater when I saw it. I think there was only like I think there was only like fifteen of us, maybe. Okay. There were there were parts where you know there were some things that were you know got a couple chuckles and everything. Yeah. And so yeah, I didn't feel like anybody was laughing like at the movie. Okay. No, they were laughing with the movie. There was this point where um, uh, Vector. Where Vector dies and Nova's like taking over him, and Vector's like, "That's interesting." Or that looks fatal. That looks fatal, and like the entire <laughs> the entire audience just burst out laughing, and I was like, "I'm not sure they were supposed to no, do no, that, no, but no, it was I, actually." No, I, think, I, I think that was funny. I think that was that was, legit. That was intentional. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was getting tired that, of them already. You know, that, that was a funny line. I think yeah, we did all laugh at that too. Like, yeah. Just like, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So, Alan? Uh, I think I'm also going to give it three and a half stars. Um, uh, Beautiful world building. 
um, you know, beautiful, beautiful uh, visuals. Um, we, we, we've covered sort of the, the little frustrations with the story. I think that uh, my my one-liner is that uh, James Cameron should pay to have other people direct his movies more often. Right. <laughs> you should stay as a producer. Uh, Mike, what about you? I'm going to give it a four. For me, a lot of it felt like I was reading the you know the books coming to life, and there was a lot of scenes that felt like they were right out of it. And I was enjoying it. I never looked at my watch. I never, you know, felt like there was any slow pacing in this. And it kept my interest and makes me want to see more, truthfully. I want to see where they're going to go next. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it a four as well because, yay, cyberpunk. Um, and uh, let's encourage cyberpunk. Let's like, like, like just, uh, yeah, let's support this movie as much as we can. Um, well, also, I love the detail on her body when she first woke up, like the paisley and everything, and the the actual carvings in there. And... Yeah, it was just beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to raise one disappointment. I was convinced that all right, you had this 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 new advanced body, the nanotech, and oh, she's conforming to her her, her image of herself. I was convinced that there was that during that process, like her body was going to etch in like some of that carving into the new body because uh, like it, it felt like they were setting that up and it felt like they, they moved away from it. And again, I get the fact that it might not have been a part of the original thing, but it felt like they had set up all of the notes there on it. Yeah. Especially it would have been cool if she had incorporated that when she called him dad. Uh, that would right. have been nice. Yeah, that would have been a nice touch where she kind of takes the role, like officially takes the role as her daughter, his daughter. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Well, awesome, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. It was actually really fun. Thank you. We we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with the ESO Network. Welcome to Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about the second season of Milo Murphy's Law. So, I've talked about this Disney show before. Weird Al gets his own show in the Phineas and Ferb world. It's hilarious, and this season really has a lot of crossovers with the Phineas and Ferb characters, since it seems Doofenshmirtz has become a regular character on the show. I also really love all the Doctor Who spoofs that are in this show. It's just so funny. And every time I'm watching it with people that know me and know how much I love Doctor Who, they just kind of stare at me the whole time that there is a Doctor Time, like, anything. So if you haven't watched this show, you really, really should. It comes on Disney XD and their in-demand channels. It is super, super clever and really, really makes you wonder about Murphy's Law in general. And also, it has great songs that are sung by all the characters, including Weird Al. So if you like music, then you'll probably like this show. If you like Weird Al, you'll probably like this show. And this season, we no longer have the pistachio monsters trying to take over the world. So we have aliens, I guess, since they're kind of hinting to that. 
I'm really excited to see where they take us with this, since if the show has not taught us anything, it's going to be really funny, really clever, and super amusing stuff will always happen in every episode, which you have your adventurers, and then you have Milo, who just kind of gets intertwined with it all. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. I know she can be there. Oh, yeah, she For the week of February 17th, this is the ESO Network Con Report. Well, February for uh, network uh, events is completely free now. So we've we've gone past all the uh, the events that you can find ESO Network folks at in the month of February. So now we're looking ahead to March, and we don't have a lot far to look because March first through the third is right around the corner, and that is MarsCon in Bloomington, Minnesota. It should be nice and balmy warm there uh, this time of year. Uh, the Flopcast, represented by Cornflake, of course, bringing her um, water aerobics. So that's going to be really awesome. I still, I'm waiting for video, guys. Uh, I need to see what this looks like. And then the week after that, March 9th and 10th, is the SC Comic-Con in Greenville, South Carolina. This is a really special show for Mike and I, because we've been doing this show for a while. Um, and uh, we've even, now we're going to be doing panels, so we're helping moderate panels for this convention. Mike, uh, we've got the uh, full list of the three panels that we'll be doing. Is that correct? Yes, sir. On Saturday, Mike and I will be moderating a Q&A with wrestler, author, and all-around nice guy, Mick Foley. That's pretty Right here awesome. in Greenville, South Carolina. Exactly. So it should be a lot of fun. And then we are going to be doing also on Saturday a podcasting panel with a few other podcasters that, you know, some we know, some are new to us. So it should be kind of fun. So that also will be a QA format. So, you know, questions and answers to the audience. And then on Sunday, Mike and I will be interviewing Kevin Eastman, one of the creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's going to be a good time. And there's going to be lots more panels and lots more fun to be had. Uh, Mike will be manning the ESO network table. I, uh, with Peter, will be manning the Tiki Zombie New Legend table. So come on out to Greenville, South Carolina, March 9th and 10th. We want to see you there. It's going to be a blast. Uh, then the week, uh, two weeks after that, March 22nd through the 25th, is Matrotham Con, and that is in Eastridge, Tennessee. It's a new convention that we're very excited. I'm very excited to participate in. Uh, our good friends Ricky and Bambi, who you heard last week with their band Radio Cult, are going to be performing there, and I will be there again representing uh, Tiki Zombie and, of course, Earth Station One. So hope to see you guys there for that show as well. Um, that's all the shows that we have on the schedule for March. So if uh, you have a convention that you want us to talk about or help promote or help participate in, please reach out to us because we love talking about conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank Alan and Carrie for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. <laughs>
Thank you so much for having us. Well, it's nice you being had, and it's also great that you guys are still tied to the geek seat. So you're going to be with us for quite some time. So Yay. <laughs> when is dinner? Uh, Alan. <laughs> we have feeding tubes on the station. It's okay. Don't you know, worry. You know, Mike, you know, capturing two of the three of them wasn't bad. It's not bad for us. That's a good, pretty good average. No, I want to see. Savannah's going to come back and kick ass like a widow. <laughs> She's going to come back and. Well, they like have a, a comic to do, so I'm sure she will. Because <laughs> Savannah will be like, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to get them. I'm going to rescue them. <laughs> so. Yeah, she, she would. would. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Havana. Havana, <laughs> battle angel. <laughs> uh oh, we're in trouble then, Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where can people find your work? So you can find Kamikaze uh, for free weekly at kamikazecomic.com or kmkz.tv. Uh, you can buy books at store.kmkz.tv. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Kamikaze Animated. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Kamikaze Comic. And on Mastodon at Kamikaze at Comics.town. We're also on Tapas. You can just find us under the name Kamikaze. If uh, a lot of you are interested in webtoons or um, uh, apps that you read comics on your phone with, uh, Tapas is a great one to add to your list. We are on Webtoon, but I only update that with specific comics with specific comic when we have an entire chapter done um so it's been a minute since it's been updated <laughs> um you can it's, find it's not like you guys aren't busy or something you know? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you can find me personally at uh mermaid shells on twitter and instagram and you can find me on twitter at that tupper kid uh and also on mastodon at that tupper kid at mastodon.org Nope, totally understandable. We will have links for you guys up in the show notes, too. So you definitely will be able to find you. Thank you guys so, so much. And Ashley, thank you, my dear, for being here once again. Thank, thank you so you. much. Oh, thank you. It is always so much fun to chat with you guys about movies. So that's one of my favorite things. I you know as soon as I leave the theater, it's like, oh, I can't wait to talk with the ESO crew about this. So thank you for making movies even more fun. Oh, not a problem. And you know what? We don't have to wait that long, much longer for your next one because it's only three no. weeks after Marvel. I am super excited about that one. So hopefully it will be good. I am so ready. <laughs> so fingers are crossed. So you want to do a shout out at all? Yeah, um, you can find uh, my movie reviews and other uh, movie blogs on the ESO website. And I've got my review of Alita up there. And then we'll be looking forward to checking out Captain Marvel in just a couple weeks here. That is awesome. That is super awesome. Thank you so, so much for everything you do. Also with everything with the website and your you know blog you do and you know the stuff you post even up on the Facebook page. Oh, it's a blast. I will take any opportunity to talk about geek pop culture stuff that I can. Yeah, we're going to have to talk to you about seeing those story geek people, though. Oh, so (laughs) it's like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And Mr. Mike, thank you so, so much. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Yeah, I do want to shout out, um, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to do a full report on this, but uh, last week we had uh, the inaugural 
uh, first ever uh, Inuhele, which is a Tiki weekend uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia. It was uh, held February 15th and 16th at the Atlanta Marriott Century Center. And uh, I was there, of course, with Peter. And uh, it was a great time. Look, for a first year show uh, being put on by people who had not done a full out convention before, um, let me tell you, I have been to conventions that have been going on for a lot longer that ran way less smoother than this. Uh, they did a great job. Jonathan, Allison, uh, Matt, who ran the, uh, the dealer room, uh, all were just on top of everything. Uh, it was, it was a great time. A lot of fun was had. I haven't heard any complaints. Uh, the, um, the, the dealer area was great. It wasn't, I will say that it wasn't like, there wasn't a huge, lot of attendees, but it's a first year show. Didn't really expect a, a huge number, but those people who were there uh, were ready to get their tiki on. That was really awesome. Uh, I, I did sell some books, so I was really happy about that. So, um, you know, uh, you know, Tiki Zombies still going, representing strong there in the community. So that's, that was great. Um, so I definitely want to give a thanks to everybody who stopped by the table, uh, everybody who put on all the volunteers and everybody who helped make this a great weekend. I, I, I think that, uh, there's definitely going to be another one next year. So, um, hopefully we just go bigger and better from now on. Sounds great. Sounds like you had a blast from the pictures I saw and then talking to you the other day, you just were like in hog heaven. No pun intended. Yeah, it was it was a lot. No, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. The only the only the only downside is because I'm at the table all day. I can't like go on like the excursions uh, that that a lot of the other people get to do, like go to visit the tiki bars and some of the other stuff. But you know what? That's uh, you know that's uh, that's just part of the gig. So, um, but um, it was like I said, it was a great great start to what I think is going to be a long standing tradition here. It's the pain of your success, as we like to say. <laughs> All right. I got a real quick shout out um, going out to our patrons and wanting to thank everyone who has been subscribing to the ESO Network patrons. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. You can find it, of course, at patreon.com slash ESO Network. Uh, great stuff up there. We now have the first episode of ESO Network Riffs. And we have gotten some great feedback already from that and people enjoyed it. So we'll be going ahead of that and they'll be coming to you monthly if you're a subscriber. But other big news for our patrons, and that's going to be my shout out real quick, is Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and the Dragon Con Report will be going live specifically for our patrons. What do you mean, Mike? You're probably saying at home. Won't we be able to hear it at home? you know, for free? Yes, you will. But our patrons will get us earlier. You know, we've been trying to put out Earth Station One every Wednesday, but uh, starting last week, we are going to be putting out Earth Station One still on Wednesdays, but to the patrons. So for the first 48 hours when this episode is released, the patrons will get it first. And all you have to do is help subscribe and you can hear the show early too. But then it'll be by Friday, it will be available to everybody else on all the different media players. So nothing's going to be changing. Just it's going to have an early release um, available to our patrons. So, you know, nothing, you know, you don't have to pay for it, but you'll just get it a couple days later. So when we do movie reviews, like we did with Alita, we'll just get it, you know, patrons will get it on Wednesday and then 
the folks over on, you know, the Facebook, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, all the different media players will have it by Friday. So just a couple of days later, but you know, it's a little bonus to help, you know, boost up the Patreon. I think it's going to be a win-win for all the way around. And, you know, for as little as 25 cents a week, as we keep on saying, you'll be able to help support the ESO network. Not a bad deal. So with that being said, we will be back again next week. And we are going to be actually looking at Coraline, of all things. It's Yay! the 10th anniversary. And we'll be all sewing buttons to our eyes and talking all about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, so. hey I've heard it doesn't hurt a bit. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what the other mother says. She promised it doesn't hurt. Okay. Well, you always have to believe other mother. So it's cool. So we'll be talking all about that until then. My name is Mike Faber. It has been my pleasure talking to you. We'll see you here next time on the Air station one podcast. Peace. And we're done. Boom. Yay. you've been listening to the air station one podcast a show by fans for fans if you enjoyed the show please subscribe to our show up on itunes or wherever fine podcasts are found while you're up there please rate us and remember to leave feedback it would greatly be appreciated and remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the TeePublic store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.